Welcome to the Strong Men, Strong Marriages podcast. Here we are on a mission to get strong, get attractive, and get the marriage of our dreams. I'm your host, Mike Frazier. Let's do this. All right, men, welcome to today's episode of Strong Men, Strong Marriages, the best books for your marriage. So I often get asked, you know, like, what are some resources or, you know, some good uh, place I can go to learn more to improve my marriage? So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. We're also going to talk about why reading a book isn't going to make the difference you're hoping for. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um, but uh, yeah, so my name is Mike Frazier, MD. I'm a psychiatrist and I and marriage coach, and I help high achieving Christian men have more intimate marriages. And yeah, I'm, I'm considering changing that tagline to just help high achieving Christian men be more attractive to their wives. Like that's really what we're doing here. Um, so some wins for the week. Had a really great uh, group call with the guys in the program this week. Uh, one of the gentlemen just shared that his, his wife was actually enjoying sex again, where before it was more of a chore. Just because of the like, he really made some really major changes in just how he viewed her, how he was treating her with a lot more respect and love, and really got rid of a lot of the resentment and judgment he was feeling. And just his wife picked it up, and she changed too. So that's the thing. Like a lot of times, we're like, "Oh, my wife's doing all this stuff. That's a problem," but. When we change, it inspires our wife also to change, right? Because she sees, hey, like this is somebody different. She becomes more attracted to you, right? Um, so another guy, you know, he's uh, you know, had trouble with his wife kind of expressing her concerns about, you know, her work and, and a lot of different things. It's been hard for him, right? He wants to jump in, he wants to fix it. So he's like about 30 times more effective because we measure stuff in the program. Right? Are we improving or not? So about like 30 times more effective than it was initially, really listening to her and getting in there and understanding, which is huge, right? Uh, feeling peace in difficult situations. You know, we can't always control what our wife's going to do, but we can control how we feel, right? And that is the win. Our feeling state, more than anything else, it's what's going to attract or repel our wife. Our feeling state and our intentions, right? Are we going to be attractive or repulsive to our wife? So when we feel peace, We've already won anyway, because we feel good. Instead of thinking our wife has to be the one to give us peace, we can just feel it, right? And that is more attractive. So my wife and I were able to have a tough discussion with our son about some concerns we had, and we did a really good job, like an improvement for us in really kind of planning that out beforehand and and talking about what we wanted to address with them and really being on the same team. So that was a cool win for us as a family and, you know, turned out well for, for everybody. All right, so let's talk about the best books for your marriage. So uh, I'm going to list four and then an honorable mention. So number one is going to be the Bible. Okay, that might seem like kind of a cop out, but I'll, I'll point you to some specific things in the Bible that I think would be really helpful for your marriage. Okay, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. One of my favorite books of all time and one of the best ones to help your marriage. Leadership and Self-Deception by the Arbinger Institute, another huge one that just helped my thinking. And I apply a lot of the principles from that, you know, in my program and things I do. Same thing with Seven Habits. Okay, Passionate Marriage by David Schnarch. Awesome book uh, about what intimacy really is and how that applies to sex and how, you know, we need certain foundations in place. Another great one that I draw a lot of ideas from in uh, in the work I do. So, um, and then my book, right? So my book's not out yet, but it's coming, right? Working titles, happy wife, happy life is a lie. 
and how a Christian husband can have a better sex life with his wife by building strength and skill. So kind of working on that subtitle, but you know, if you listen to this podcast and it resonates with you, I think you'll really enjoy the book. Probably have some um, free samples soon that you can pick up on the, on the website, get some of the first chapters and things like that. So I'm excited about that. I'm working on it. Um, you know, every day here and it's, uh, it's getting closer and closer. So I'm, I'm excited about it. And then an honorable mention is going to be how to win friends and influence people by Dale Carnegie. All right. So the Bible starting there. So you know, look, there's a, kind of a lot of weird stuff in the Bible, especially if you start like from page one. Um, but there's some really good stuff in there. Like if you do start from page one, you know, we talk about Adam and Eve, right. And how they were one flesh and that's what we're going for in marriage. But you know, I like to think of it like, um, like a water molecule, right? So like there's hydrogen and there's oxygen. And when they come together, they make something even better, but they're both still there and they're both still separate things. So it's not one flesh, like you disappear into each other. It's that you combine and form something even better, right? Part of that's making children, right? That's a combination of the two of you making something really amazing. Um, so a, a place to look, right? is just the Sermon on the Mount. You know, try to live by those character traits. What does he teach there? What does that mean, right? But to me, the biggest thing that you're going to get from the Bible is this idea of love your neighbor as yourself, right? And to do that even when it's really hard, okay? So that's in Jesus' teachings and, you know, that's what it boiled down to. He's like, hey, what's the two great commandments? Love God, love your neighbor as yourself, okay? So, and even when someone is not being loving to you, right? That's the hard part. <laughs> you know, so to me, that's the whole point of marriage. And I think that's why it's a godly institution, right? Is that this is where we're learning this skill. How do I love my wife equally to myself? Okay. Not more than myself, not less than myself. How do I love her equally to myself, right? How do I balance, you know, caring for her and for me? How do I actually get to something that works for both of us, right? So I'm not just shutting myself down completely, but that we're both actually enjoying our marriage and having a good time, right? So, and then also this idea of treating your wife kindly, even when she's not treating you kindly, right? That's the biggest test of a Christian. You know, Jesus, he's getting beat up literally by people close to the end of his life and doesn't respond back with violence, right? He's able to stay calm. He responds back with love, you know, and that's hard right? That's hard to do. But the other thing too, is like, he didn't spend all his time with the people beating him up, right? He was there as part of like, before he got crucified, but most of the time he spent with his disciples, right? With Mary and Martha and people that were, that loved him, right? And that he loved. Um, so again, he's, he also did this, right? He balanced love for himself with love for others. He took time to himself. He did all those things. So just watch and try to see, like, how does Jesus balance that, do that balancing act of loving others and loving himself? So you can say, oh, he sacrificed everything. But what actually happened, right? What actually happened is he did sacrifice self. He did take on our sins. He did all of that. But he also got the biggest reward of anybody, right? So don't forget that part, right? So... Yeah, study Jesus and study the Bible, right? Says so a, a good daily practice, you know, with the guys in the program and myself, right? We do that every day. We get into the scriptures so that we can feel God's word and his message to us each day. Huge. So important. Again, one of the best compliments I ever get from guys is that they feel closer to God. And I'm hearing that more and more lately, which makes me so happy. I just uh, love it. So let's move on from there from the Bible to the seven habits of highly effective people. So 
the basic principles. So we'll go through all seven and I'll tell you which ones I think are most applicable to your marriage. So number one is be proactive, which to me is just like such a huge thing, which is you are in control of you. Okay. Don't blame your wife for the way that you're acting. Don't blame her for the way you're thinking or feeling. Also stop trying to control the way that she's thinking and feeling because she's in charge of that. You're not. Okay. Create that healthy separation. So important. Okay. So the other, the second principle is called begin with the end in mind, which I like to think of as you get to choose who you want to be. Right. And the win in your life is behaving in the way that you want to behave. Now, as a Christian guy, you're going to tie that to behaving in the way that God wants you to behave, which is awesome because that doesn't really move. And it's something that we can get inspiration and direction on and the Holy Spirit can help guide us in that. Right. So, you know, in that sense, you know, again, we get to choose who we want to be. And if we align that with Christ, now we're super, we have literally a superpower, like a power above what we can do on our own. Right. We have God's power and the Holy Spirit helping us. Okay. So then three is, is put first things first is what's in the book. But the basic principle is like, just choose what's most important in your life and then live accordingly to that. So important and something that we do work on in the program. And just, you got to do this or else you will live a life that is not what you want. It's not to your full potential. It's not what God wants. You got to just choose, right? So like for me, the way that I prioritize my life and that I would recommend to anybody, right, is putting God first, right? Meaning trying to follow what he teaches and wants for us. You know, that's why I would put the Bible as the first book, right? The most important book. Um, but um, yeah, so God first, then yourself or myself. Now that seems counterintuitive a lot of times, but here's the thing, you know, you have to take care of your own spiritual, mental, emotional physical, sexual health first. You got to take care of all that because if you are not in good shape in all those areas, you cannot be in good service to other people. Okay. So that does mean prioritizing time for yourself. That does mean eating well. That does mean exercising. That does mean filling your mind with good spiritual things. That does mean spending good time with friends, things that fill you up across all those areas. You've got to do that or else you're not going to be in good service to other people. Okay. So God, yourself, then your wife, right? Then your kids, sometimes people will mix those up, right? But their kids before their wife, you don't want to do that. Okay. You're going to be with your wife after your kids move out. Right? So you want to build that relationship. Plus it's just a better example. And that's just kind of the way, the natural way things are meant to be. You know, if you look at what God teaches about marriage and kids, like marriage is first. So um, your kids. And then next for me is other friends and family. And then my work. Right now, the weird part is like day to day, you might be spending a lot of time at work and that's fine. But in your heart, right, you know, Jesus teaches where your where your um, heart is, there will your treasure be. Right. So if in your heart, those things are first. Okay. That'll come across. You know, you do need to spend time with work. You do need to spend time doing those sort of things. But in your heart, that's the order. Right. And so then when you're with your kids, you're prioritizing that You're prioritizing the love for them. Okay. So the next habit in there is think win-win. This, again, this is what I, I talk about all the time uh, in my program and you know, on the podcast and everywhere, right? So important, you know, because in marriage, a lot of times we go for lose-win. We say, well, or, and we call that sacrifice, right? Well, I'll do all this and, you know, hopefully someday my wife sees it, but, you know, I'll just be the, the martyr here and, um, you know, 
then get tired of it and, uh, and get mad <laughs> is what really happens because you get resentful. Um, but you want to go for win-win and that requires a lot of things. It requires you having strength in yourself to be able to represent yourself to your wife. It also requires you being able to listen and understand what's a win for her. That requires that collaboration to get to that together. So it's a big test of a lot of strengths and skills in one. Do you have the spiritual strength to have self-worth? Do you have the mental and emotional strength to manage your emotions while you're having this discussion so you don't explode or just stop talking or anything like that, right? Um, so yeah, spiritual, mental, emotional strength all have to be there for to do a good job of getting to win-win, Okay. Can you make requests? Can you set boundaries, right? Can you get to that spot? All required to get to win-win. So to me, so the next habit in the book is seek first, understand, then to be understood. To me, these kind of reverse in a marriage, right? So to really get to win-win, you actually have to first try to understand where your wife's coming from and then express yourself, right? And then get to win-win. Now, sometimes you might have, you might express yourself first. That's fine, right? It's not that you always have to understand your wife first. Sometimes you just need to bring up something that needs to be addressed, okay? That you feel like there's an issue that needs to be changed. That might be with money, sex, in-laws, parenting, religion, housework, uh, time, right? Any of that, you may need to bring it up first. And that's fine, but just understand where she's coming from too, right? And then try to get to a solution that works for both of you, okay? And then uh, synergize is the next one. Um, it's kind of like working together to build something great. That one was always kind of weird to me. I don't resonate with that one a ton. Um, and then to me, that's kind of bound up in win-win. Uh, and then the last one is sharpen the saw, which is just doing self-care, taking care of yourself, balancing all those. Now, like for me, some of these move around, right? Like self-care is going to come actually before seeking first to understand. Uh, so like I would go, yeah, like make sure you understand you're in charge of yourself. For sure. That's first. Make sure you know what you want in your life. For sure. That comes next. Uh, you know, to me and all of that is just like getting yourself worth from God, which this book doesn't talk about it that much, but you know, it's bound up in it. It's so important. Right. So you, know, you get yourself worth from God, you make priorities based around what you want from your life. And then you go out you understand other people, you get to win, win. Um, but you're taking care of yourself kind of before interacting with other people. Okay. So I'd kind of move them around. Um, but, uh, again, the biggest tools I use getting to win-win seeking first to understand and those priorities, which we talked about so huge, so important. So that's book one, seven habits of highly effective people, highly recommend it to help you change your marriage for the better. So next one's leadership and self-deception. So this one for me was just like a huge eye opener as far as how I was seeing my wife, right? And kind of the main takeaway for me in this and what I teach guys is about this idea of a person versus an object, okay? So when we see other people as objects, we see them in one of three ways. We either see them as a vehicle to get what we want, an obstacle that's in the way of what we want, or irrelevant to our life or to what we want, okay? So talking about sex, right? When it comes to your wife, if you're seeing her as an object, you can see her as a vehicle, okay? A vehicle to get you sex, right? And why do we want sex? Well, it feels good, right? There's a physical pleasure that comes from it, right? The orgasm. So you can be using her as a vehicle to that. Also, a lot of times guys are using their wife as an object so they can feel good about themselves, right? Oh, I'm wanted, I'm valued. Oh, I'm, I'm sexy, I'm attractive, right? And they're trying to, 
get that from their wife. This is why I call being a mosquito, right? You're trying to suck that off of her. You're not trying to give her anything by having sex, right? You're trying to get something from her, whether that's just having an orgasm or whether that is her making you feel good about yourself, right? So again, she's an object. She's an object to what you want, or right? So she's a vehicle to getting you those things, whether that's the orgasm or that's feeling good about yourself. Okay. So now when your wife starts saying no, okay, she starts being an obstacle. Okay. When you see her as an object, right? So you're like, okay, there's my wife. She's the only one I can have sex with morally. So like, she's the one, she's either going to be a vehicle or an obstacle to me getting sexual pleasure. Okay. So, you know, you, when you see her as an obstacle, you start getting mad, right? Because you're like, oh, well, you know, she's saying no, she's in the way, right? She's not going to let me have an orgasm. She's not going to let me, you know, feel good about myself. So you get upset with her, okay? And eventually that can lead to you treating her as irrelevant. So saying, okay, fine, you're not going to do it. Fine. I'm going to go look at porn. I'm going to go have an affair, right? I don't care about you anymore because you're not, you're not going to be, you're an obstacle too much. So now I'm just going to go somewhere else to get what I want. Okay. So if any of that sounds familiar, um, this book's a good one <laughs> and hopefully just like seeing it that way, it helps you see, Oh shoot. Yeah. I am seeing my wife as an object, right? Versus when we see someone as a person, right? We see this as someone with their own values, their own beliefs, like they have their own life, right? It's not her purpose to give you sexual pleasure. Like she's living her own life. And so when you do approach her for sex, right? Now, like I talk, I talk about this in different ways, but it's, you're wanting to connect with a person, right? You're not just wanting to have sex. You're wanting to have sex with your wife, right? You're wanting to connect with your wife sexually. You find her attractive. You want her. You don't just want sex. Okay. That's the difference between seeing her as an object and a person. Okay. I want her in all ways, including sexually versus I want sex and my wife happens to be here. Okay. Person versus object. Okay. So again, a person to serve versus an, versus an object to serve you. Right? Can you serve your wife through having sex with her? Sure. Right. If you're approaching it in that way, like she's a person, this is the way I want to connect with her. I desire her. I want to show her that. Right. Versus seeing her as an object. Oh, like she needs to give me the orgasm because look at everything I do for our house and all that. By the way, when you see her in this way, like, she owes it to you. You really are treating her like a prostitute. And I mean, that is what sexual objectification is, right? Is saying, okay, like transactional, you know, you owe this to me. So it's never attractive to her, just doesn't work. So again, vehicle versus a person versus object, huge thing. Leadership and self-deception will help walk you through that even a little bit more in depth. Talks about the box too, and, and which is a great thing. I just really like the person versus object. So Passionate Marriage by David Schnarch. Um, so he starts off the, the book kind of explaining this, this couple, you know, this idea of a couple sitting at a restaurant and not talking to each other. Um, and people are like, well, why are they not talking? And, you know, so most people say, well, they've already said everything. But his argument is they've already said everything that they know won't upset the other person. <laughs> right? And that's why we get stuck. And so actually the way out of it is we actually be willing to share what's important to us even if the other person might not like it. So that's what real intimacy is. You know, um, it's knowing and being known, right? So being willing to share who you are, even if the other person might not like it, right? 
owning your own desires and value, even if the other person doesn't agree with them or doesn't give in to them or doesn't say, that's what I want too. Okay. So, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of couples therapy and thing, it talks about validation. We need to validate her feelings. You need to, you know, basically tell her, yeah, that, that makes sense. Now I don't disagree with that. I think that's, that's fair. Right. I think it's good to try to listen and understand people, not necessarily agree with them. Cause a lot of times you're not going to agree, but be try like have that desire to understand. Okay. Um, but the thing is, if you wait until someone's going to agree with you, if you wait until your wife's going to agree with everything that you say, you just won't bring things up that are important. Right. And then you're stuck. Okay. So he calls this self-valid intimacy versus other validated intimacy. In other words, being willing to share what's important to you, even if it might upset your wife. Right. I'd say it takes sparks to make a fire. And so if you want a fire of passion in your marriage, you do need to be willing to stir the pot, not just for fun, but when there's important things that need to be addressed, like things about money, sex, in-laws, parenting, religion, right? The other big piece of this is where are you getting your self-worth, right? The other argument he makes in this book, which I think is true, is that as you progress in your marriage, right, your wife's opinion becomes more and more important to you over time. It's kind of just a natural thing that happens. And so, you know, you really want her to like you. You really want her to approve of you. You really want, you know, her opinion matters. Like, you know, I've shared this example before, but I would choose my clothes and be so concerned about whether my wife liked them or not, you know, so she would feel attracted to me. Now, part of that was because I wanted her to have sex with me, but that may be a big part. (laughs) But the other part of it was, I just wanted to feel validated, okay, by her. So, now, you know, David Schnarch, he doesn't go super religious with most of this stuff, but to me, you know, you're always going to be kind of reliant on other people for your self-worth until you can get that from God, right? Or at least something that is not based on comparison. It's not based on you know, anything else. So if you can get it from God, you can know like, hey, there's a, a God who loves me, a father who loves me. There's Jesus who is a brother who loves me enough to do literally anything for me. He went through everything for me, you know, and you can start feeling good about that. It's not based on comparison. It's based on other people. The other thing that builds self-worth, right, is sticking to your word. Um, You know, being a man of your word, that's what builds confidence. But self-worth, you got to plug that into something that's infinite. It's not based on what you do or don't do, okay? Because if you don't do that, you are relying on other people to tell you how great you are, right? And the more you do that, the more needy you are on your wife to tell you how great you are, you become extremely unattractive to her. Desperation, neediness, total turn off for your wife. Okay. Strength, confidence, turn on. Plus they feel a lot better. Okay. So our honorable mention is how to win friends and influence people. Another great book, just a fun read. Like uh, this guy, one of my very favorite authors, just the way that he writes. I like to try to mimic some of my style of writing off of his. So the three big principles from the from the book, the first three are don't criticize, condemn, or complain. I think there's a lot of value in that. You know, when we start criticizing our wife, when we start condemning, when we start complaining, her response is going to be to dig into her position and probably fire back, right? And you can notice this in yourself too. You know, when someone criticizes you, your immediate reaction is try to defend yourself. 
Okay, so when you do that, it just isn't very effective, right? For the most part. Now, what we try to do in the program, right, is actually be that rare person that can take criticism and say, huh, yeah, maybe you have a point there, right? You know, that's real strength, okay? But, you know, overall, it's just not that effective. Give me, and then next principle, like criticize, it's just not that effective. Uh, now, that said, right, sometimes you do need to bring up problems, right? And that's why I give this more of an honorable mention versus like a primary spot in the top list. Um, you do have to bring up difficult things if you want to have a great marriage. So the next one, give honest, sincere appreciation. I think this one is huge, right? The more we appreciate other people, it just feels good, right? To give appreciation and to receive it. Then the third one is create in the other person an eager want. So when we want someone else to do something, we want to try to give them a reason, a motivation to do it, right? I think these are all very useful tools and things to think about. What would make my wife actually want to have sex? It's a good question to ask yourself, right? And a big part of that is you becoming more attractive, right? But then, you know, finding out what is a turn on for her sexually, you know, what, what does she like? What does she not like? You know, what, all of that, right? Or if you just want her to, I don't know, go to the lake with you this weekend, what would make her want to do that? What would make it fun for her? And I think those are great questions to ask and, uh, and very helpful in getting along with people. Um, but yeah, very fun, very well-written book. I think you'll enjoy it. So here's what you really need to create an amazing marriage right? Books will help. Podcasts will help. Like learning stuff will help. But what you actually need to have happen is you need to do three things. You need to build trust. Okay. And that to build trust, it requires spiritual, mental, and emotional strength. It takes spiritual strength to have your wife realize that, you know, you don't rely on her for your self-worth. Okay. That's spiritual strength. You know, it's also spiritual strength to be a man of your word. Okay. That builds self-confidence. Right. It takes mental and emotional strength for your wife to know she's not going to catch the brunt of your emotional mismanagement, whether that's you getting angry, whether that's you acting like a baby when she says no to sex, right? If she feels like she has to like caretake your emotions, total turnoff for her, lack of trust. Okay. She can't trust you to take care of yourself. So how can she trust you to do anything to help her take care of her? You know, she needs to be able to trust you with her heart, right? Are you going to treat her well? Are you going to treat her kindly? right? That requires mental, emotional strength on your part. And can she trust you to just do what you say you're going to do? Okay. Once you have those locked in, you're already in a really good spot. Again, it does take spiritual, mental, emotional strength to do that. Then we need to add to that communication. So first pillar is stress, second pillar is communication. So again, communication, it requires those things. It takes the spiritual strength to actually express yourself and the mental, emotional strength to not flip out, but actually listen to what your wife's saying. Plus, it takes some skill training in, like, what are some useful phrases to to say? Also, just having the intention of understanding, which, again, to me, that's spiritual, mental, emotional strength. It comes from where you're at, right, in those deeper places. Because you're going to express your feeling and emotional state. So if you're really trying to understand your wife and your feeling is care and compassion and curiosity, like, that's going to come across. And your intention is to understand her, that's going to come across. Because even if... A lot of people will teach like these communication tools, like, oh, use I feel statements and um, yeah, just like reflect back content and emotion, which I teach that. But even if you do that, even if you say all the right words, if your feeling is off and your intention is off, that's going to come across. And these communication skills just fall flat. They do not work because you have to have the right feeling and intentions behind it. 
And that comes deep inside you, right? That comes from what you're thinking at a deep level, which generates how you're feeling, okay? Generates your intention. So we have to get down to that level for the communication skills to actually work. And you do need some good skills with it, right? But without the deeper stuff, it just doesn't work, okay? And the last phase is intimacy. So again, this requires spiritual strength, like to share things that are difficult, to make requests, to set boundaries, takes mental and emotional strength to bring up difficult things, understand her, right? Uh, and also sexual strength, right? So using your sexuality in ways that you can be proud of and also learning, okay, how do I flirt with my wife again? How do I have fun? How do we have passion? You know, maybe you do need an update on, you know, female sexual anatomy and response, right? So, so that it's more enjoyable for her, okay? So those are the pillars, right? Trust, communication, intimacy. And to build those, it requires spiritual, mental, emotional, sexual strength. Physical strength too helps just because it, you know, when your body is doing well, it helps your mental, emotional, and spiritual state, okay? But here's the thing, guys. This is why reading books and listening to podcasts and like filling your brain with some good information is not going to be enough. Your brain, it has ingrained patterns of thinking, feeling, and acting. Okay. So like when your wife says no to sex, you have a response to that right now that is problematic, probably, right? Or when your wife is on her phone, you have a response to that that's problematic. Okay. The way you think, feel, and act when that happens, it's a problem. Okay. When your wife's out with her friends, when your wife, you know, says something that seems critical to you, right? You have a thinking, feeling, and acting pattern that is a problem. Okay. That is unattractive to her. Okay. And that pattern has run hundreds, thousands, millions of times in your brain. Okay. So look, you're going to get new information. You're going to feel good. You're going to listen to this podcast. Oh yeah. Like those are some good ideas, Mike. Right. But then very quickly you go back to your old patterns because new information isn't enough. You know, your brain literally has circuitry in it, has like wiring. So when these tough situations happen, those patterns, they've run so many times. I like to think of it like, like the Grand Canyon. If your thoughts are like water, right? Your thoughts have run down these problematic patterns, hundreds, thousands, millions of times. They've give, they've created like a Grand Canyon sized groove in your brain, right? So you're going to respond in a way that's a problem. Okay. So, you know, you get off this podcast and your wife says, and then you're back to the same thing and you're like, oh, I can't believe that happened. Right. Because what needs to happen is your brain has to be rewired. We have to set up a new path, right? We have to kind of like dig a new trench for your thoughts to go into. And so, and then we have to repeat that over and over so that we dig that new trench just as deeper, deeper, right? And then the old trench kind of fills in and, you know, we don't have that anymore. We have a new pattern of thinking, feeling, and acting. The good news is your brain can rewire pretty quickly. It just, it does take a lot of repetitions to get there, okay? So again, what we have to do for this to work, right, is we have to find the negative, unattractive patterns of thinking, feeling, and acting. This requires outside help, right? It just does. I had to get outside help to see mine. People just need outside help to to see it, right? You can catch some of it, right? But you're going to miss some of it too. And so, you know, get the help to see it. You have to find it first. You have to find that Grand Canyon first, right? The negative things. Find all those canyons so we can like direct away from them or else water is still going to flow through them. Thoughts are still going to flow through them. It's still going to dig deeper and deeper. Okay. So we have to find those old patterns. We have to replace them with new attractive patterns of thinking, feeling, and acting. 
Okay, that's digging the new trench. And then we have to repeat those over and over, not just until we get them right, right, but until we can't get them wrong, until it's the new habit. It takes a lot of repetitions. And so in the program now, what we do is exactly this. We find all your negative patterns. We replace them with new ones. Then you are accountable every single day to tell me how many times have you rehearsed these new patterns, okay? And so because of that, guys, they're getting results faster than ever. They're getting better results than ever because this is just how your brain works. It cannot fail. When you have a plan, right? And you don't just execute in the moment, but you actually prepare, okay? Like I call myself a coach, right? So a coach is supposed to get his team ready so they win games. So in our, in my field, right? Your game is your interactions with your wife, right? How do you win those? You win those by behaving in a way that is consistent with who you want to be as a man. Or probably a better way to put it is when you interact with your wife, you act in a Christ-like way. That's a simpler way to put it, okay? And how do you do that? You get ready for it, okay? Like a, a professional sports team, they spend way more time in practice than in the game, right? They don't just show up to the game and they're like, oh yeah, hopefully we learned something today, right? No, they prepare, they're ready, right? They know the other team's plays so they can be prepared for them. So we do take the same approach, right? We say, when is it difficult for me to act in a Christ-like manner towards my wife? And now let's make a plan. And now let's practice that plan so that as soon as my wife comes and says something critical or says no to sex or does something that consistently causes a problem, I'm ready for it, right? And I behave in a Christ-like way. And so at night, wife's like, whoa, this guy's different because again, your brain has changed. And so you're acting in ways that are Christ-like and attractive and good and feel great and are setting a great example for your kids, okay? So if you want to do that, if you want to rewire your brain so that you are consistently the man that you want to be, right? Guys, it just works. There's no way it, it fails, okay? It's just how your brain works. So that's what we're taking advantage of here. You need coaching to see the problems. You need accountability because look, you can say, oh yeah, Michael, go do that on my own, but you won't, right? You just won't. That's how we all work, right? We do much better when someone is watching, right? And seeing if we're doing it or not. It's just how we work. So take advantage of it, you know, get some accountability, get some coaching. And, you know, if this podcast resonates with you, if you're a high achieving Christian man who wants more intimacy with his wife, who wants to be more attractive to his wife, whether that's your sex life's not where you want it or something more severe, like recovering from infidelity, or, you know, you're looking at a separation or divorce, I can help you. Right. And this is how. So visit MikeFraserMD.com or StrongMenStrongMarriages.com. Click on work with me. There's also a link in the show notes below that you can follow. Uh, You'll schedule a call and then you'll fill out an application that we will review on the call. All right, men. So stay strong. Don't just listen to books and podcasts. Okay. You need to do more than that. Um, but, But yeah, these are some good ones. All right, guys, stay strong. We'll see you next episode. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please leave a review on iTunes and share the episode with a friend so we can help create stronger men and stronger marriages across the world. And if you're ready to take your strength training and your marriage to the next level, visit strongmenstrongmarriages.com to learn how. I'll see you there.